Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue our study of Acts with chapter 3, verses 1 through 26, which tells of the healing of the lame beggar, which leads to Peter's second sermon to the Jews. Please listen to Pastor Jim as he delivers today's portion of this week's message entitled, Walking and Leaping and Praising God. And Peter immediately shifts the focus of attention from the guy to God. Not on himself, not on him and John, not on the healed man. He was quite specific. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. Wow. What credit did he take for the healing? None. It all belongs entirely to God. And as I said, they didn't tell people to line up for their turn to be healed. They immediately turned the attention attention of the Father and Son. If they had done 50 more healings that day, it would not have served any further purpose to accredit the message of Peter and John. Now, since you can't speak to that generation who killed Jesus, what should you say to someone in place of what Peter said in there, in, in verses 14 and 15, about you killed Jesus, you, you shouted out to Pilate. Well, the way to import the message from that generation to any generation, to any culture, is to point out that Christ died in your place, He rose again, and He calls you to Himself. It, it's that simple. Turn the attention to Jesus. Now, do you see also in this passage the responsibility of God, or, or the, the responsibility of man and the sovereignty of God are again both stated side by side, side by side. Look at verses 17 and 18. And now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Again, Peter's saying what he said back in chapter 2. This plan was announced by God hundreds of years in advance. And sinners sent Jesus to the cross, but sinners are also responsible for you disowned the holy and righteous one. And today people are responsible for their personal version of you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ. So, you knew this was coming. Look at verse 19 and following. Therefore, because God did this, because you disowned the holy and righteous one, God raised him up. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that He may send Jesus, 
the Christ appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets from ancient times. Now that, that phrase, times of refreshing, and the phrase, the period of restoration, they're two different ways of referring to the millennial kingdom. Just like Peter did in chapter 2, when he connected the arrival of the Holy Spirit to Joel's prophecy about the Messianic kingdom, he says the same thing here in different words. This is the plan of God. Jesus came, He died, He was buried, He rose again. He ascended to the Father, and He's going to stay there until He brings the kingdom to earth. So, once you have someone's attention, even if you don't have a formerly lame guy walking and leaping and praising God, and you've explained that Christ died for your sins according to the Scriptures, what do you do next? Well, I suggest take your cue from Peter. Therefore, repent and return. Now, there's a lot of things that Peter didn't say here. He doesn't say, ask Jesus into your heart. When I visited India 40 plus years ago, just a couple of weeks before I had been there, I was with a group of evangelical American pastors and we were there to see what the believers there were doing. But just about two weeks before we were there, one of the most famous American charismatic um, evangelists had, had done a, a crusade in several cities in India. He would gather large crowds. And I'll tell you how to gather a large crowd in India. Go anywhere, in any town, anywhere. There's people everywhere. But he went to stadiums, every place they could, gathered these large crowds, and he preached his message. And he said, ask Jesus into your heart. He's God. Ask Him into your heart. And he claimed the, something like 250,000 conversions. Now, none of the pastors that we talked to had ever seen any of those people in their churches. Well, why? What's well, a Hindu culture. Hinduism has about 220 million gods. Some local, some regional, some territorial, the big one. Uh, and and if you and, and they live in fear that if something goes wrong in their lives and in in that culture they don't have it very good well that's because you have even if it's unknowing you have offended one of those gods so they'll have a shrine you know in their in their backyard to try to placate the local gods that they know of so if you tell somebody who already believes in 220 million gods, well, I know this God named Jesus, ask Him into your heart. Well, sure. If you already got 220 million, what's 220 million and one? Not that He's the one to whom all of those supposed gods will answer. He doesn't say, you know, enter into a personal relationship with Jesus. My friends, Jesus is Lord. And if you don't know Him now, He will get personal with you, whether you are personal with Him now or not. Um, he didn't say that mantra that's so popular these days, well, this isn't about religion. Well, well, yes, it is. 
It's just that it's not about human religion of trying to work your way to God. It's about the religion of God's provision of a Savior in, in Christ. He certainly didn't tell these people, you can have your best life now. Remember when that book came out, I, I made the rather obvious point, the only people for whom you can say you can have your best life now is if you're going to hell. Because what we have now is going to be nothing compared to being with the Lord. He certainly doesn't say, look inside yourself, learn to love yourself so you can love other people. He doesn't say, Jesus loves you just the way you are. Um, He'll accept you as you come, but he certainly doesn't say anything like that. He doesn't say, he gets us. He said the most loving, kind, truthful thing he could. Your Savior came. You rejected Him. He died. He rose again. He ascended to the Father. He's coming back. Therefore, repent. Change your mind about Him. Repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away. That's the very same call that He gave in the previous sermon in the previous chapter when those 3,000 people believed. Is back in chapter 2, verse 38, and then verse 40. Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. My friends, we have the message that makes the difference between the lake of fire and the new heavens and the new earth as a person's eternal destiny. Don't be afraid. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. Don't be shy to say, therefore, my friend, repent and return. A gospel presentation that is devoid of a call to to repent isn't a gospel presentation. It's tragic that American, in American Christianity, we've gotten so touchy-feely that it's, it's common to avoid things like sin and repentance and humbling oneself when we present the gospel, but that's what it's all about. It's a changed life, all by the grace of God, but it's a changed life. Change your direction. Repent. Come to the Savior. Look at verses 22 to 24. Moses said, who is he preaching to? Jews in the temple. Pretty good to quote Moses. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. To him you shall give heed to everything he says to you. And it will be that every soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. And likewise, All the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward also announced these days. Now now look carefully there. According to those verses, why is anyone ever condemned? Or as Peter said, utterly destroyed. Well, if you don't turn to Christ, that will be your eternal destiny. Now, his quotation is from Deuteronomy 18, 
And that's where Moses said, the Lord's going to raise up a prophet like me, referring to himself, Moses. That's a prophecy of the Savior. It's a prophecy of Jesus Christ. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.